Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I am Dr. Danielle LaPointe, and my co-host is Dr. Dustin Smith. And we are here this week with another story, and we are with Colin Fagley. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, Danielle. How are you? Good. We're so excited to have you here with us this morning um, and to hear, you know, some of your stories. And Dustin is in a press box right now. So we have a special episode <laughs> being brought to you by Dustin's press box. So how are you doing up there this morning, Dustin? Well, we actually got to say thank you to Ticket Spigot for being our official um, sponsor of this of this podcast, but also the official ticketing partner partner of the NIAAA. But man, today is kind of a a whirlwind of a day, and Colin can relate to this. He gets to do this next week, so this is kind of a preview for him. But we have homecoming in Greenwood, Arkansas, so I get to, um, uh, you know, all the hats that an AD wears on a game day anyway, but you throw homecoming on top of that, and it's about 9 million more hats. Uh, so if my head's a little bigger, it's because i got to wear all these hats today. But I'm excited <laughs> because Colin and I uh, actually took a, a class that Colin taught and I got to learn from him and learn the um, kind of his leadership style and learn just kind of, I mean, he's a social social media guru and likes to post stuff on social media. And we may talk about that in a little bit, but man, I'm excited to have Colin on with us today. So I, I don't want to steal the thunder. I want to be able to let Colin have the spotlight. Um, he deserves it far more than I do anyway. So uh, Colin, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for taking time to join us. And uh, I, I want to, paint a picture for everybody of who Colin is without the resume. What's the resume not going to tell us about who Colin is and what Colin likes to do outside of being an athletic administrator? Yeah, sure. Dustin, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And uh, it's kind of special for us next week just to build off that homecoming uh, theme. Uh, you know, I'm at a brand new high school and this is our first homecoming. So we just had our first graduating class in June. So this is our first true homecoming. So we're, we're excited next week to, to see some of our, um, our graduates, our uh, alums come back and uh, let us know how things are going at college these first couple of months for them. So it'll be a lot of fun next week. And uh, I'm sure you do guys do it big out there. So I look forward to hearing about how things go for y'all tonight and today. Um, so, But no pressure uh, on you though, right? Like no pressure on that's your first one. <laughs> like we're just... <laughs> you know, I actually am feeling a little pressure. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm pulling a little bit from my former school where we had a, you know, more, you know, rich tradition and um, had had many years of uh, graduates and homecomings, but uh, we're, we're tweaking things a little bit. You know, there were some things over there that, you know, it's kind of one of those, well, this is how we've always done it. So we got to keep doing it like this. So we get to kind of do everything from scratch this year. So uh, pep rally, homecoming court, the dance is sold out. Um, so we're, we're excited. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun and um, we'll see what happens next week. Hopefully the weather uh, cooperates with us. Danielle, you and I were talking about, uh, so some weather coming your way for sure. And uh, we're watching it in North Carolina as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm just going to throw this statement out there. You, you've got kids coming back that graduated in June for Correct. homecoming. Yeah, that's it. We're having a, we're having a class coming back from 1962 that we've got to, I mean, which is really cool to have some, some people Very that cool. have been graduated 60 years and, Very cool. you know, the, the accommodations, you take care of that, but, it's a different perspective when you got kids that just graduated in June for, um, you know, and that's, that's typically what happens. A lot of kids come back anyway, that first year. Yep. 
that's what they've known long. But that's that's interesting to have that kind of a homecoming ceremony for a group that's just graduated. I mean, a first year, really a first year, only one year of graduates. It's a really unique situation that you're dealing with. Yeah, no, and I I really envy that that tradition that you guys are dealing with as well. That's so awesome. Um, and one of the funny parts about opening the new school. And I promise I'm going to get to your question shortly. Is that the kids <laughs> year one uh, were demanding homecoming? You know, we opened the school with just freshmen and sophomores back in 2019, and I was like, "Well, when's homecoming? When's homecoming?" I was like, "Y'all, y'all don't get it. Like, homecoming is you know that, that's for the the alumni to return to the school. That's that's what homecoming is. What do you mean we can't have a homecoming dance? What do you mean we can't have homecoming?" I said, "Y'all." That's... I was like, we can call it coming home. Like, we can call it Gator Fest. Like, we can do something crazy. I was like, but it's not homecoming. Uh, so it took several years of explanation for people to actually grasp the concept of homecoming, but um, we're finally here. I'm excited about that. The definition of homecoming. <laughs> Parents, it was everybody. Like people just didn't understand actually what homecoming was. Uh, they just thought it was a party or a dance. Yeah. Actually, it was for the current it, kids. Mm-hmm. When you said in '19, obviously you had you started the school, so you started freshman and sophomores. Twenty is when we battled COVID. So homecoming really wasn't an option, really. I mean, somewhat, you know, you still have the ceremony, but trying to explain that to 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, they just don't get it sometimes. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, but uh, to get to your question, so uh, uh, my my life, um, I guess, really revolves around my family. So uh, my wife, Michelle, my two boys, Jackson and Corbin, uh, they're nine and six. Uh, so they're obviously a huge part of why I get up and, and come to work every day. And um, obviously both y'all know in, in a position like this, we, we don't get to spend as much time as I'd like together, but uh, we do uh, do all we can to make sure we have plenty of family time. My oldest is uh, playing tackle football for the first year uh, this year. And I'm, I'm helping coach. I'm, I'm getting to practice at least one night a week and I'm helping out on the sidelines Saturday. Um, I take a step back though there. I'm, I'm making sure there's 11 guys on the field. You know, I, I hold the cooler with orange slices. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hands off in that position, but I love being out there with my son. Um, we love being on the water. Uh, my wife and I are, are really into antique boats, uh, wooden boats. I know it sounds kind of weird, but, um, we have actually several of them. And, uh, one of them is a 1947 Chris Craft, which we're actually, uh, restoring right now. Um, not me personally, but having restored, I'm, I'm a little bit involved and, uh, that's kind of a, something we really like. So we love love being on the water, love boats. Um, obviously being here in North Carolina, we got really great access to some awesome freshwater lakes and of course the coast. Um, so we spend a lot of time on the water, which is, which is really awesome. Um, besides that, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. So, uh, I support my bills through and through my family's from upstate New York, mm-hmm. uh, originally. Um, so I've been a Bills fan since I've been a little kid and, uh, Going back to their first Super Bowl runs, I picked them because of their helmets. When I was five, six years old, I liked I liked the Bills helmets better than the Giants helmets, and of course that was wide right, and we all know the history there. So, um, really excited about the season so far, and um, obviously big game with the Dolphins this weekend. Danielle, down your way, so uh, we rooting them on. We got some injuries, but um, that's uh, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I don't know. I. Uh, Go ahead. Let me let me ask this question: As you you talk about tackle football for your son yeah. and what that looks like, and your role in that in the orange slice holder, and you just try to take a step back. 
does that make you like the team dad as opposed to the team mom that you have in some of the dugouts and baseball and softball travel? Yeah, so we, we do have a dedicated team mom, and she's excellent. She she really handles the logistics of the um, you know the, the post game snacks and the orange slices themselves. I actually just hold the cooler, um, <laughs> so that's that's my job. Um, you know, make sure there's eleven guys on the field. Uh, help the kids buckle their chin straps because there's always a lot of drama with that. And coach helped me with my helmet, <laughs> um, so that's kind of my role, uh, and I've embraced it. I really enjoy it. Um, team's playing well, uh, but it's actually really fun just to be able to step back a little bit and kind of be in that role and just watch the other coaches coach and, and be out there with the kids and, you know, listen to parents hollering at you over your shoulders uh, in, a, in a different role. It's been a lot of fun. So do you, do you coach at the same football field that you play Friday night games on? So do you, like, do they ask you if you're the AD there or for, do you have to solve problems there or is it strictly just a coach? Uh, strictly just a coach. Uh, we play on a community field in Durham. My high school's in in Cary, North Carolina, so we're we're playing one town over. So over there, I can be pretty incognito, um, kind of separated from the school community, and uh, rarely am I noticed uh, as an athletic director. Uh, so I, I, I like that. <laughs> I am jealous of that because my daughter is a third grade cheerleader for our little little league program, and when I come, they look at me to solve problems hey mm-hmm. dustin the sound's not working hey dustin can you get us chains hey dustin the scoreboard's not working so i don't get to go be a dad i get to go be the ad and so sometimes i just have to say hey let me just be a dad instead of the ad so i'm envious of that for you it's it's a good setup we got a great guy that runs the league and you know anytime problems come up of course i'll, I'll try to help troubleshoot a little bit just in my dna but you know i like to be able to just point over at somebody else and be like well you, you can ask mr jeff that question like i, I don't know the answer to that uh, <laughs> that's on him today. <laughs> so let me ask this you talk about being in durham or playing playing in durham being in Cary. uh let, let's talk about painting on a map for people that may be geographically challenged where exactly your high school is located you started the new school, but what's what's that look like in North Carolina? Paint on a map for us, if you would. Yeah, so we're in central North Carolina. Um, it's referred to by most folks around here as the Triangle. So that's Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. And uh, Cary pretty much sits smack dab in the middle of that triangle. So um, it's a very suburban community. Um, you know, Durham and Raleigh are, are kind of big cities. Of course, Chapel Hill is where University of North Carolina is. And of course, Duke is in Durham and NC State is in Raleigh. So we're surrounded by some great universities and some great, you know, college football, and basketball, and baseball. And, um, you know, Cary is uh, just a just kind of a sprawling little town, we say, but 100,000 people smack dab in the middle of that triangle area. It's the fifth biggest city in North Carolina. And um, it's growing uh, rapidly. We have three high schools within a three mile radius, all of uh, about 2,500 kids. So, uh, it's a it's a it's a dynamic place to be. Great competition, and um, you know, really enjoy working here. About three three hours to the beach uh, to our east, and three hours to the mountains to our west. So it's a good little setup. So being in the middle of the triangle, who who do you pull for? NC State, North Carolina, or Duke? So I'm NC State grad, undergrad. I went to NC State, so go Pack. Um, I'm not you know, necessarily like a rabid fan. Sometimes people are very, very partisan around here. I'm not, I'm not into all that, but uh, if state Carolina and Duke are, you know, going head to head, it's definitely NC state for me, but, uh, but I'm, but I'm a North Carolina guy. So if Carolina or Duke were to go far, you know, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be beyond me to cheer for them in a national championship or something like that. 
but there's no question your NFL allegiance, what that is to. That's correct. That's the Buffalo Bills, and there is no question. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so you're part you of Bills you're... Mania or Bills Mafia? I am I am a card-carrying member of the Mafia. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, perfect. I, I even have I, my office here. I mean, get some things here. Yay. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> where, where you said you were from originally, um, upstate New York, whereabouts? So, so my mom's side of the family is from um, upstate New York, Auburn, uh, just outside of Syracuse. Okay. Uh, I actually myself was born in um, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. My uh, mm-hmm. family has slowly migrated south, I guess, over the years. But um, um, yeah, a lot of family ties up in up in New York. We go on vacation every year up on the St. Lawrence River, um, upstate. Throw a rock and land it in Canada. We're so far up there, but um, yeah. So that's. Uh, that's the connection up there, but um, beautiful country up there. And um, like I said, yeah, so uh, born in Pennsylvania and then uh, moved down to North Carolina when I was in fourth grade. My dad got a job transfer. So this is this is home for sure, but a lot of family still up north. Mm-hmm. I'm originally so from upstate New York. Sorry. I'm originally from upstate New York as well. So that's why I was asking, but I went to school in Cortland, which is not far oh. from Syracuse and, oh. um, and all of that before I moved down here to Florida. But my, uh, my, ta- my allegiance to the Bills has always been very strong since I was a little kid. I remember before Super Bowl disaster. I don't want to talk about that either. Um, yeah. But this is, this is the first time in a bit that we've been like able to be very proud to be right? Bills fans. Normally you kind of want to keep it on the side. But, but now, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. So, yeah, I'm excited about, about this season and hoping they can pull through. Absolutely. No, very so, excited. Go ahead. Since you guys are both card-carrying members of the Bills Mafia, my question is, has, have either of you jumped through a table, like at a tailgate? Have you done any of that that I see on TV that Bills Mafia does? So I at at the Bills games I've been to recently, I've taken a lot of videos of others doing uh, <laughs> table jumping, and I've shared them widely with my my friends and family. Uh, but I'll but I'll make the pledge right here on this podcast that if the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, we can we can all get together and I'll jump through a table right here in my office uh, at, at school. How's that? <laughs> we want to record that on Paradox. You're going to come it, back. It, on it's Paradox already recorded. It's done. Yeah, you got exclusive. Paradox has has it. Yeah. full rights to it. And I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny the activities that have occurred tailgating, you know, before the games. I can't. Nor, nor can Orchard I. Park. No, cannot confirm nor deny any of those activities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> other yeah, than, I just ha- asked other about than one having... of them. Is all I wanted to know. Did you jump through a table? That's the only question. We don't can have con- to ask what led to it. Did you jump through a table? That's all I want to know. No, I cannot confirm nor deny. The only thing I can for- confirm is that there are barrel fires to be warm, to keep warm. And those are essential to survival when you're going to a Bills game. Those are the, that's the only thing I can comment on. So the last time I was up there uh, for a December game, numerous barrel fires going to keep folks mm-hmm. warm in the parking lot. One of them had gotten out of control and lit several cars on fire. <gasps> fire trucks are there. Um, it was wild. Oh no! That happened. That happened yeah. this past weekend at a Dolphins game too. I think. Yeah, you know what? I did. I saw that on Twitter. Somebody left a tailgate fire going in the parking lot or something, and it, and it burned up a bunch of cars. <laughs> but why no. is there a fire? It is so hot here right now. Like, why do they need a tailgate fire in Florida right now? They don't. Well, they were grilling burgers or something like that. It wasn't to keep warm. It was to warm food. 
We probably just Ooh. lay the burgers out on the pavement. They'll cook. Them. <laughs> right on the hood of your car. <laughs> on the hood of the car. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's get beyond the NFL loyalties that you can share. Let's get beyond the craziness that may happen at a Bills tailgate, um, pregame, postgame, whatever. I'm excited to have Colin come back on and do this table jumping in one of our future episodes. Um, but. I'm going to get this jab in now. I remember four consecutive Super Bowls that the Bills went to that they came up empty. And um, so this will be a monumental feat. Being a Cubs fan, I understand a long drought and understand what that may mean. So um, the world may go completely bonkers if the Bills win the Super Bowl this year. I I cannot imagine what the city of Buffalo would be like uh, for a Super Bowl parade. And, um, the team coming back that would be a special thing for that city and uh we don't have any curses like the billy goat or anything like that so i feel like we got a chance uh <laughs> we'll see or or clearly carrying north carolina no telling what they what kind of chaos will happen there <laughs> right right i mean obviously in my home um you know i will need to be monitored very closely <laughs> but, uh, but uh, danielle you'll appreciate this they just opened a wegmans here in Cary. Um, so, I mean, I can literally go down there. I can get my Josh's Jacks. I got Stefan Diggs hot sauce. I can get, you know, shakes. that's awesome. Like Salins. I mean, it's, it's unreal. Uh, yeah. So, that's so, cool so. that they still have that, those, those items in North Carolina still. Yeah. I'm certain most of the people like are walking down the house. Like, what, what is this? Why is this happening? Why uh, is this year? <laughs> For those of you who don't know. Stephon. <laughs> Wegmans is a very popular um, grocery store chain up in, in New York Buffalo area. So, um, and they carry products that are specialty products. That yeah. that's awesome. I want photos of this. Yeah, everything. It's great. <laughs> so in Arkansas, they'd say, "Who's this Stephen?" <laughs> they wouldn't know how to say Stephon, so it, it'd just be a little different deal here in Arkansas. But that's a whole other story we can jump into. But the point of this podcast is to talk stories. And I know, Colin, even though you've been there, I mean, this school started in 2019. You have a prior history of being an athletic administrator. It wasn't just in this this school district. But I'm sure you've got some stories that you can share that are the I can't believe this just happened stories. The oh, my gosh, the let's sit around at the conference, the national convention and tell these stories about you're not going to believe what happened here. And it doesn't have to be bills related. So do you have a story you want to start off with that just talks about something that's crazy that's happened in your tenure? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this and I've I've listened to several of y'all's episodes and some people have some doozies. So I was like trying to, you know, I got to raise my game a little bit. But uh, the first one I want to talk about, I think, is kind of a is a growth story for me. And it goes back even before I was AD when I was coaching. Um, And it it all has to do with the band, marching band. I have a uh, a long and maybe troubled history with with various marching bands and, and, and directors, <laughs> so um, I think I want to start there. Um, so we'll rewind, and let me let me start by saying that m- our current setup is amazing. Our band director is fantastic. We have an amazing relationship, but really the story is how I've gotten here because it took <laughs> me. Some- um, so going back as a young coach, I was only a couple years out of college. I was coaching football at a, at a local high school here in uh, in North Carolina, and um, we had a great team uh, that year. Um, you know, several guys went on to play uh, play in college. We had a guy that went on to play in the NFL from that that team, uh, Isaiah Johnson, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a while. And um, 
the story starts there. So it was um, it was homecoming. Um, and the athletic director at the school at the time also, I believe, scheduled like a sponsor night uh, on that night. So they brought out a bunch of local you know, community folks. and They were giving them their plaques on the field. So long story short, halftime was incredibly long. I'm talking full band performance, homecoming for sponsor night. It was crazy. So I don't remember what they had on the clock, probably 18 minutes. Then we get a three minute warm up period. But long story short, halftime was ticking down. Biggest game of the year against the conference rival. And um, the band's still on the field. I mean, this is, yeah, maybe, maybe they were halfway through the performance and the clock is approaching zeros. And um, Isaiah, the boy I mentioned that went on to play in the NFL, um, he, he was a great kickoff returner. And uh, we were getting the ball coming out of halftime. And, um, you know, anytime the ball was in his hands, he could he could take it for six for sure. So clock's ticking down. It's at zeros. The band's still on the field. No sign of ending anytime soon. The referees are all looking around. You know, our head coach is freaking out. And, uh, of course, after another 30, 45 seconds, here comes the flag, you know, and sportsmanlike conduct, you know, halftime, band still on the field. It was a mess. So, anyways, long story short, the uh, the other team gets the kickoff from, you know, whatever, the 45-yard line, 50-yard line, boots it through the end zone. Isaiah doesn't get a chance to get get, get his hands on the ball. Um, coaching staff was a little heated up. So, uh band finishes up and they're kind of walking off and uh band director and i you know have some words and you know i was i was a cocky kind of arrogant young coach and um i've, I've reflected and i'm a much better person now but i, I make some comment um <laughs> i love how you worded that <laughs> uh, and I, I said something i didn't you know i didn't cuss or anything like that and um you know i, I just kind of looked over and i said you know thanks a lot mr robinson thanks so much thanks so much kind of clapping um we appreciate you guys thank you something along those lines and you know obviously didn't take well to that good news is we won the game all right so we'll fast forward to monday um get called down to the office i guess after after i was teaching my classes and it's principal uh the athletic director and head football coach and principals you know chatting with me and he says you know i, I want to hear about what happened friday night and of course you know i went into i said well you know halftime went too long and the band was on the field you know we got a big penalty we weren't able to return to kick biggest game of the season. You know, we want to get the ball in Isaiah's hands. You know, I just feel like people need to be more respectful. And I was kind of getting to plead my case. And principal told me that, you know, it's like, you're going to need to apologize to the band director. And I said, I said, for what? You know, and he said, well, you know, how you spoke to him. I said, well, Mr. You know, Mr. Nelson's our principal at the time. I didn't curse at him. And, you know, I didn't make a scene. I just kind of let it be known that, you know, we were disappointed in things. And then, you know, the AD kind of fell on his sword and said, oh, it's my fault. You know, we should have more time on the clock and I'll take the blame. And the principal's like, no, no, Colin, like you're, you're going to apologize to Ben Rick. And I said, I said, well, I'll apologize to him once he apologizes to us. And he said, well, he's like, what do you mean by that? I said, we need to apologize to the team for getting us penalized. He's like, well, he's not going to do that. And I said, well, I'm not going to apologize on uh, so it was a, <laughs> we kind of got to a little, a little bit of a, bit of a showdown over that. Um, I did hold my ground. I never formally apologized because I, I feel to this moment that I was correct, that some sort of corrective action could have taken place to get the team on the field in the proper amount of time. Um, so that was kind of awkward. That was my last year working at that school. Uh, not because of that, uh, because <laughs> promise. Point that out. <laughs> yeah, the coach at the time, he, he went to a, another local school to become AD. And um, he was my mentor. He was my guy. So he asked me to come over and be his assistant. And that kind of begins, I guess, my my ADing story. 
and my my maturing story. Um, so uh, fast forward a few years, I, I become athletic director at my former school, very first year. Um, and we get asked to be uh, on one of these morning shows. They do like the Friday morning, you know, prep game of the week. And they come out and the cheerleaders are there and fans there. And the kids are all jumping up and down. And they're doing live cuts from the school when they're doing the weather or whatever. And uh, it was super fun. A great way to highlight the school. And, um, you know, I, of course, invited all the different school groups to come. And, of course, the band, right, and the, the cheerleaders and everything. And uh, I worked with our booster club to, you know, to get a bunch of food um, because we wanted to feed the kids because we're asking them to be at school at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, anyways, um, more problems, band. Um, we, we didn't get enough food. Uh, the student turnout was beyond anything we would have expected. The football team, of course, was there and the cheerleaders and, you know, the Chick-fil-A gets there and, you know, the kids are, you know, when it's time to kind of cut them loose. The football players, I think, were still kind of doing like a cut with the uh, the news folks. And then the band starts eating all the food. And I'm talking like all the food. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, walking over there like, guys, 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 like, you know, this is, you know, for the football team, and the cheerleaders you know, as well, like you guys can't eat it all. And I'm, I'm literally pulling like biscuits out of the band kids hands. <laughs> Got to feed the, feed the team as well. And, you know, that ended up turning into a bit of a dust up with the, the band director at that time. And, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to get enough food for everybody. I never promised food to the, the band. Like it was really just out of the goodness of our heart. You know, we did the best we could. And I was like, well, you guys have a booster club too. Like they could have brought some biscuits. Awesome. <laughs> so this is my first year as AD and once again, here I am, you know, yanking, yanking chicken sandwiches out of the band kids' hands, um, having flashbacks to the. I feel like I could. I think this is so funny because I feel like every AD can relate to this. I feel like this is very common. Every AD can like feel like, yeah, I remember that. It wasn't biscuits, but yeah. Yeah, so that, that that was like a whole thing, and um, you know, I, I learned some from that that experience as well. But I'll be honest with you, and I, as I have been the whole time so far, uh, we have now, and I and I've really come to realize this over the last couple of years, especially when we opened our new school, an extraordinary relationship at our school right now between the athletics, between fine arts, between performing arts, between our band. Our, our dance program, um, you know, we've kind of brought them under our umbrella as athletics, and we have an amazing dance team that's qualified for nationals that's going to be down in Orlando in February near you, Danielle. Mm -hmm. um, and we've now just kind of have this unreal kind of symbiotic relationship, community aspect between our our band and our and our cheerleaders and our dance team, and they coordinate dances together and they practice together, and the color guard and the cheerleaders and the dancers do like socials together, like it's amazing and um took me several years to kind of understand the importance of this but um that type of relationship between those various student groups has really really been an amazing thing for our school so that's kind of the growth story that uh you know had some issues kind of coming out but uh have really i think figured it out and um i it couldn't be a better setup right now between athletics and and the marching band and everything so it took me some time um to to figure all that out and mature and grow as a as an ad but um right now it's just perfect <laughs> so let me i, I got a couple questions i gotta <laughs> ask my first question is you said that band director's name was mr robinson at the first school you were at when you were yes. coaching 
Yes. Okay. Was he the same band director, he or she, the same band director at the musical you went to that they were eating the biscuits? No. Oh, so that's a revenge from this guy saying, hey, we're, we're getting him back this Mexican standoff we had. I'm winning this thing. No, uh, different different band director. Um, uh, so it may have just been kind of like my, you know, uh, years of pain over the, the situation at halftime. The mental anguish that you suffered. Yeah, yes. And I, I was I was in a special team. But, and we won the game. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, we won the game, so it was okay. Uh, but still, I mean, to this but day, it, but it's embarrassing though. Like I, I had, I got to a point where I had my half times down to the minute, to the to the thirty second mark. I knew who should be on the field and what should be doing, and they knew, and I had papers printed off, and everybody knew who, who should be on the field at what time on that clock. If it says this amount of time, this is who should be on the field. And it got to a point where, for me, that I had to do that in order to avoid some of the things that you're talking about, because while it's not your fault that they're out there, it's your fault that they're out there. So. Right. Right. so well, in Colin's yeah. defense, he wasn't the AD at the time. He's a, He's a special teams coach. Right. I'm just trying to do my job. It's everyone's fault. <laughs> Not the band's fault. It's everyone else's fault. <laughs> you know what's funny? It wasn't my fault. <laughs> we we talk about homecoming and, and the, the craziness that ensues because of homecoming. We do our ceremony before the game simply because of this. Situations like this. Because you know halftime's going to take so long. But my empathy is, or sympathy, whatever you want to say, I understand that those band kids, that's their performance. Yes. That's their time mm -hmm. in the spotlight. Yes. And they may not have had as much time as they wanted because of all the other ceremonies that, that go into that. And so it's a happy medium. So I guess now, fast forward into where you're at now, Colin, and the, the lessons that you learned in that moment that have helped you as an AD now, what do you take away from that situation when you were a special teams coach and the penalty happened and you had your standoff with the principal and you weren't going to apologize. What have you learned in that time span to now that you implement now that say, because of what happened there, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. So obviously what Danielle said is really important, you know, just having things heavily scripted, planning out your halftime um, to the minute is, is very important. But I think just, um, you know, I don't know if the word's grace or, or understanding or just being able to kind of step back and put yourselves in, yourself in the shoes of others. Um, you know, our, our, our marching band is extraordinarily talented. I mean, they're, they're unreal. Like our halftime performance is, is special. It's incredible. And uh, what that group brings to our, our Friday night environment and, you know, their families and uh, everything that they uh, contribute to the school is, 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 is amazing. And I, I agree with you completely. They deserve their time in the spotlight too. And just because that's tied into a varsity football game doesn't make it any more or less important. And uh, we want to make sure that we showcase them the best that we can as well. Um, I, I think it's just working, you know, at, for us having that kind of mindset where, you know, it's not just tunnel vision, it's not just athletics, but thinking bigger picture, thinking school, school wide, you know, the band director and I work incredibly well on you know, getting them time out in the stadium before, you know, big, uh, big competitions. Um, you know, they use our, our baseball field for much of their, um, you know, preseason and, and summer training and things like that. And, you know, we've, we've worked that out. We've got a great relationship with that. And our baseball coach is on board and everybody's, 
you know, really symbiotic with that. So I think just understanding as an AD that, you know, the school and, you know, your job is athletics and you want to make that, that program the best it can possibly be, but also understanding that you got a lot of kids in your school that aren't involved in the athletics program and they got their, their hands and in, in different things. And it's all of those things combined that make a high school great and really make that high school experience something of value for the kids. And, um, just being able to step back and appreciate that and, and just know that, you know, as much as you want, you know, everything uh, to kind of funnel through and, and run through the lens of athletics, that uh, there's a much bigger picture there. And to be able to step back and understand that, I think something I've learned uh, over the years. Well, I, I think about that moment for you and, and now how that impacts what you do now, because you were a coach then. And now as the AD, you're responsible for scripting that out and understanding halftime's got I know you want the spotlight, but you only got 20 minutes. And what I tell, we have a lady here who does our homecoming stuff. She's, she does all the pep rallies. She gets the court together. She knows that whole scenario, writes the scripts. And I often tell her every homecoming, I tell her, hey, do you want me to put this on another field? Because we're going to play a football game. Whether or not, I mean, I, I can only give you so much time because I only have so much time. Now, if it was up to her, we'd have, an hour for the homecoming ceremony and the football game would take seven and a half minutes as opposed to the other way around. But it's just a constant reminder, but I'm still trying to give those kids the spotlight. You bring up a great point in understanding the bigger picture. There is a bigger picture, but we also have to confine it to the time frame that we have. So the grace is important. The understanding is important, but also that's got to be communicated both ways. Hey, I only got 20 minutes at halftime. This is what I can give you. I want to spotlight our kids. I want them to have their moment, but I only have 20 minutes. You got to understand we got to work in those confines. And I think those conversations are great. And, I, and I'm jealous because you get to establish that right now. Yeah. In a first homecoming ever, you get to establish what that kind of looks like to say, I'm setting these parameters and here's what they are. So to build right off of what you're saying, I agree. You know, the three of us chose athletics as our route. But I'm a firm believer in extracurricular activities. Whether Whatever that extracurricular is for that kid is, is irrelevant for me. At least you're actually out there doing something. So I always remember that in the back of my mind when I was making those decisions. Like, this is this kid's football. This is this kid's chorus or band or whatever it may be. Um, but in addition to that, I did something the last couple of years at my school that was unique. Um, and I think, I think it worked out really well. So I wanted to throw this idea out there for anybody who may be listening is, um, homecoming, we had a lot of activities during halftime. Like I always had something during halftime, whether it was Hall of Fame, um, you know, a lot of different things going on during halftime. So I would tell them, hey, you're going to be able to perform because you have to have both bands too, right? It's not just your band. You have to have the away band as well. So you each can have four minutes or five minutes or whatever you, you dictate to them, or you both can play after the game and have as much time as you want. You can do your whole routine. You don't have to cut it down. And at first they were like, well, I don't know, I don't know. Um, we had to do it one time for, I forget, I think it might have been homecoming. I can't remember the reason was, but we had to do it one time. And it actually worked out really well. The football team stayed. They like, you know, danced and listened. Um, it worked out really well and it became a thing. So I gave them the choice. You can do a shortened version during halftime or you can have as much time as you want after the game. And granted, it made my night longer, but I felt like I was giving them the opportunity to, one, go through their whole show which I know if they're competing, they want to do that. But to, um, you know, give those kids the same opportunity and spotlight that the football players and the cheerleaders may have gotten that night. So that was something that worked really well for me. We could let both bands go after. 
Um, the only downfall was, yes, it made my night a little bit longer, but I felt good about it. So it didn't bother me. Yeah, that's great. On what we, what we do, and since COVID, the visiting band hasn't traveled since COVID. And so we kind of cut out them being able to. And, and for me, <clears throat> excuse me, I always tell my kids, if it's the home game for me, I'm going to showcase my kids. I don't want, I don't mean the city disrespect to the visiting team. It's not their field. And so when we go to their place, I don't expect my band to get out there. I don't expect my cheerleaders to get out there. But when it's a home game for me, I get to showcase my kids and give them that opportunity. Now, if they're only going to take two minutes for a band performance, like early in the year, our band builds. So they may do one of their songs or two of their songs for their show. So they may not have that much time. And if the visiting team is here and they want to play, then I can do that and work that in. But as the year goes on, that time decreases and I don't give them an opportunity. And it's not fair for me to say, hey, visiting band, drive all this way and I'll give you three minutes at halftime. That's not fair to them. So we just cut that out entirely at our place. That's just the way that we've dealt with it here. That was not an option for us. We were told that visiting bands will all be performing. So, uh, yeah. But different areas, right? That's you got to figure out what works for you in your area. Absolutely. But I think the key to that, and Colin will tell you this, scripting it out and having that set in advance is probably better. Now, Colin was a special teams coach when his first story happened. So he probably wasn't included on the script to say, hey, this is what's included and I want your input. But now that he's in control of it, he's got that perspective of still being a coach and saying, okay, what do I got to take into consideration here? Because if if we're on there past the 20 minutes, then we get a penalty and that's a 15-yard penalty. And then that may put our team at a disadvantage. Fortunately, it worked out that your team won and that wasn't a, a factor. But at the end of the day, You've got that in your perspective now to say, okay, what's the penalty if we don't get off the field at a certain time because you live that? Yeah, absolutely. No, it was certainly a learning experience. And, uh, you know, I, I still sweat out every halftime when, you know, the clock's starting to tick <laughs> down and things are getting close. But uh, our folks do a great job. And uh, another key person to have, and you all know this, man, but if you have a great PA announcer up there to kind of MC that halftime and keep things on schedule, whether it's the pregame stuff or the halftime, that's so important. We got a, a real pro doing our uh, our Friday nights, and he's fantastic, and he's looped into all those conversations, and it's very well scripted. So appreciate all those folks that help us out. So do you do you still have therapy now for the mental anguish that that caused? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but I only go uh, once a month at this point. It was uh, <laughs> cut back. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a story that's not band related, or is all your stories around the band? I'm sure there's some. No, there's been some that don't involve me. No, that's literally it. So thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No. Uh, uh, yeah. So I got I got two more good ones, and they're they're a little bit shorter, but uh, some some classics here that are definitely going in my book one day. So um, one one of them very short, but it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I feel I feel sort of bad about it, but it's so funny. And Danielle, you'll get a kick out of it because Ticket Spickle will like this one. So baseball <laughs> game this past spring. Um, of course, digital ticketing and, you know, we have you know, some great signage and QR codes are up. You know, we certainly encourage our folks to buy their tickets in advance before getting on site because, you know, sometimes they'll they'll come up to the ticket table and they're not ready and they're trying to buy their ticket and they're holding up the line. So we try to streamline that the best we can. Uh, elderly gentleman's coming to the baseball game um, and he's, he's walking down the hill. I think he was somebody's grandfather. And, uh, he comes down to one of our signs and it's got the QR code on there and he's just kind of looking at it. 
um, just kind of staring at it. And I noticed and I walked over and I said, sir, you know, can I help you uh, get your ticket? You know, do you already have it on your phone? Uh, anything I can do to help? And he said, no, no, what do I need to do? And I said, all right, well, just, uh, you know, do you have a smartphone? He did and took it out. Um, and I said, all right, so what we're going to do is, um, you know, we're going to, we're just going to buy your ticket uh, right here uh, with this QR code. And then he kind of looks at me quizzically, has his phone in one hand, then reaches into his, his wallet, pulls out his um, credit card, credit card, somewhere, and starts rubbing the card on the QR code. <laughs> he tried to tap <laughs> And I was like, oh, no. oh, sir, 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 no, 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 sir, no, sir. Um, that's not going to work like that. Um, and uh, so some of the stuff you see uh, with some folks, even some of the younger folks with the digital ticketing um, is, is something. It's like it's been almost three years now since our district has been essentially cashless at the gate. And you'll still have folks come up rubbing credit cards on QR codes, um, you know, <laughs> trying to pay with cash, yelling at the ticket takers about why you don't take cash, um, you know, taking actual physical pictures of the QR codes, not scanning them, but take, like taking numerous photos of the QR code and wondering why it's not working. That happened last night. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really something. And then like, and I'm, and sometimes, you know, I just want to say to people like, you know, we have the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, NHL team in town, and of course, lots of concert venues and of course, as we talked about lots of universities. I said, y'all, it's like just right now, like in modern society, where where do you just walk up with, you know, a wad of cash and just be like, you know, let, let me in? Like, is that how you go to a concert? Like, is that how you go to a Hurricanes game or a state game or a Carolina game or a Duke game? Like, no, no one does that. Like, what, why do you have to be so like archaic at the high school? Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I feel like if I saw someone run their credit card on a QR code, I would have been like, you can come on in. It's okay. We're good for tonight. Yeah. We'll get you next week. <laughs> yeah. I think about that story, and I have one from a, a fellow AD. I went and toured his campus and wanted to spend some time, just some professional development, learning from him. And he's like, all right, let's go to lunch. I said, all right, let's go. So we're going. He's like, oh, man, I forgot my wallet. So we get, I mean, we're walking in the door. He's, man, I forgot my wallet. He said, uh, I, just, I just keep my wallet on my phone now. And I said, well, you got your phone? He said, yeah, I got my phone. I said, how does that not work? I mean, you've got your wallet on your phone. You can just, I mean, you can pay from your phone. That's stuff that this technology, I said, I don't know why you got the wallet on your phone and not use the wallet on your phone. But sometimes <laughs> technology just, it eludes people. I don't understand how that that was his wallet. He could have used his phone, but he didn't. So it, I think it was his way of just swindling me for lunch. But I was at his place, and he invited me to go to lunch. So I thought, yeah. you know, maybe he was going to buy. But <laughs> apparently, he, his his digital wallet didn't work. You think everyone's going to buy you lunch, Dustin? Well, he offered. <laughs> he said, "I'm going to take you to lunch." I said, "Okay." <laughs> and I, I guess he meant he was just going to physically take me to lunch and then let me buy his lunch. <laughs> I'm going to clarify that. Uh, yeah. We've had some some madness at the ticket gate over the last uh, last few years. And um, we're it's obviously, you know, part of it falls on us. It's an education process, right? So just making sure our people, you know, know, know what is expected. Um, you know, have have your tickets up, ready to validate. You know, we have a couple different lines for, for you know, passes and tickets. And 
we allow all of our in-season student athletes into our, our home athletic events in for free. So we have a separate line for them where they can get, get verified. So, you know, we have a pretty, pretty good system in place. It's just, you know, sometimes folks will, um, you know, there's reason don't want to follow the rules or pretend they don't apply to them sometimes. And that's, uh, that can be a challenge. Uh, Same thing would happen if you were accepting, you know, cash, then why don't you have digital? I mean, I can't remember how many times people would show so up without things. cash. And then why don't you guys like, take why card? Why don't you take card? Why can't you take it? Yeah. So it really doesn't matter what you do. You're going to have, you're going to have that. I switched the way I did my gate. So I moved somebody to the outside of the gate. Like I was never a physician before, but I moved someone to the outside and I was like, hey, get your green button ready. This is what you got to do. This is the screen you want to be on before you even get up to the line. And that for me was massive. That changed the whole ball game because now you didn't have those people coming up wondering what to do. They were taken care of before they even got to the line. So that was just like a well, we, tip that worked really well yes, for me. Do the same thing. And I couldn't agree with you more. That's you got to have that person out front just doing traffic control, giving instructions, uh, getting folks ready as they approach the gate. It's a huge time saver. Yeah. You know, the, the amazing thing to me is we talk about education-based athletics, and it's an education process. Well, if you go to the classroom, you don't throw somebody in calculus right off the bat. They've got to build up to that. And yet we expect them with the technology advancements True. to just jump right into calculus and not have the, the prerequisites <laughs> leading up to that. So sometimes that education process falls back on us. We can't right. just claim education-based athletics when it sounds good. But the ticketing process is part of that process. And we're going to have those those bugaboos all along. And people are going to get up and say, all right, why are you doing this? I've got cash. Does cash not work anymore? Can I not use this cash? But I think it's an education process. We've got to just build through that process. Um, and sometimes we expect them to be in calculus when really they need to be in fundamental math. That's right. That's fair. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That, that just I want them to be over in calculus, but they're not there yet. And so sometimes <laughs> we just got to walk them through that process. That's why you have just a like phone. we would in the classroom. That's why you have a phone to do it for you. <laughs> Except for a wallet on your phone does not work. You can't buy anything with a wallet on your phone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So one more, uh, one more good one, and this was from early on in my AD career as well. Something else I, I learned a good lesson from. So some of my favorite days of the year are signing days, right? Um, those days are awesome. Um, you know, we'll, we do a big event at school with the, the the backdrop and the tables, and the, the parents bring in, you know, food, and we do a reception and bring in all their friends and and do a really nice signing day ceremony a couple times a year, which is really great. And we got to do our first ones here at Green Level last year, of course, with our first graduating class. But um, as a second year AD. At my former school, you know, we were doing those as well. And uh, we had a young man who um, uh, was signing to play football. And um, I'm going to do air quotes, signing to play football. <laughs> and I didn't at the time, you know, really think about it too much, which is, was my own fault. But, um, you know, kind of a trust but verify situation. Young man signs and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to play ball and goes through the entire signing process and has the hat and does the does the signature and all that good stuff. and. Um, with several of his peers, I think there was eight or 10 kids uh, at that particular signing ceremony and it was great. And then, um, a couple of days later, a head football coach comes out of my office. He said, Hey, he's like, um, I'm not gonna use names on this one, but he's like, you know, uh, so-and-so, um, you know, I just got a call from the football coach up there. They don't have any idea who he is. I said, I said, what do you mean coach? And he said, yeah, they didn't offer him anything. He's like, they don't even know who he is. 
they said they saw some on social media. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, so uh, he's like, that ain't legit. <laughs> um, so like this kid was all in too. Like he had the hat, like the t-shirt, like I'm pretty sure his parents like had like decorated his little table with like stuff. And it was like, it was all made up. The whole thing. <laughs> Did the parents know that it was made up or were they in on it? You you know, I um I think they were kind of in on it a little bit. Yeah, it was like a conspiracy, I think. Uh there's yeah, involved. Um based on kind of like the discussions we had afterwards, I feel like there was no way that they couldn't have been at least a little bit in on it. If not in on it, like they weren't asking any questions at all about their child's future plans. Uh and were just kind of along for the ride. Um, so that was pretty crazy. The young man actually did end up walking on at a local university and actually had himself a halfway decent college career, um, not at the place he signed. Wait, wait, wait. So he didn't even end up going to that school? No. Oh, I thought maybe he was just going, just not playing football there, but he didn't even go. No. <laughs> so, so my question is, was it Bishop, Bishop Sycamore? Because I've seen a lot of people sign with him. It, it, it was not Bishop Sycamore. It was, uh, it was an FCS school in the Northeast, um, and yeah, it was a really crazy experience. So now I'm much more diligent with our signing days. You know, I, I need to see something in writing. I need to see some, you know, some tangible proof that hey, this is actually a legitimate offer. Hey, an email from the coach, something from the admissions office, the NLI, whatever it happens to be. You know, we just got to make sure we're we're doing things the right way because we don't want to be out here, um, you know, promoting something that's perhaps completely. Uh, utterly fake. So wait, um, I learned from wait, that. Wait, wait, still so many questions. So yeah. when you called the kid out on this, and you're like, "You're not playing football here. They didn't offer you anything." Like, what did he say? Um, it was kind of like your your typical like high school boy confusion type, you know, thing. Like, yeah, he's like, "What, what do you mean, coach?" He's like, "Yeah, I, I talked to the coach up there. They're like, well, you know, you know, they 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 don't have any you know record of you, you know." visiting or um you know giving you an offer like you know who did you speak to and i think then it came out maybe that maybe he had a conversation with somebody at a camp that represented that school but there was besides that conversation like and maybe that was just like a hey how are you conversation <laughs> or what's your name like there was no formal communication whatsoever so i don't know if there, there was some like na naivete and like thinking all right like yeah, coach said he liked me, so that means I can I can go play there. I, it was a very confusing situation. And to this day, the, the former head coach who's retired now and I will text about it on occasion because it was just so funny. And we still have a lot of questions about exactly what what happened and maybe what he thought he heard or how he thought the process worked. Um, it was so you're th so you're thinking this is more of like being naive than being like malicious and trying to like pull one over on everyone. That breaks my heart for that case. You're about to graduate. Oh no! <laughs> you know, um, no, knowing the young man, you know he was probably a kid that was going to be in that fundamentals of math course, not the calculus. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I don't, I don't want to cast too much judgment on him. I, I want to say maybe it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, wanting to seem like he was he was cool and, and going on to play Division One and, you know, kind of impress his friends, but also not really understanding how it all works. Uh, right. Somewhere in between. 
Uh, so we had some long conversations and, you know, we got things figured out and he, he went on to get a degree and uh, by all counts, he's doing all right. <laughs> I think it may have been, he signed up for a camp and they said, Hey, we're glad you're here. When he asked him what his name was, he said, Hey, I'm here. And Hey, we're glad you're here. And that's, I got offered. They wanted me to come there. Yeah. <laughs> he got one of, you know, get some of those fancy things in the mail, you know, it's got his name on it now. They make those right. fancy flyers and he's like, Oh, look at this. They got him dressed. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be a fly in the wall when you had to sit there and be like, "You're not going there. Like, <laughs> it's not. You're not. Like, you had to be the person to tell them this." Yeah, there, there, there was some uncomfort there. The, the head coach, I think, had the initial conversation with him, if I recall, and then, um, you know, kind of, kind of looped me in after, and certainly some hard, some hard questions to ask, and. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, for me, it was an incredible learning experience because I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, obviously, our our school's credibility is on the line. We don't want to be putting a bunch of stuff out there about our kids going X, Y, and Z when it's it, it's not true. And it also taught me that back to that education piece, like we need to make sure, that especially for our college bound student athletes, like they they understand the process, like they they understand the NCAA eligibility center, and they understand the NLI, pro NLI process and they know what a walk-on is and a preferred walk-on is and you know that not you know this is another pet peeve of mine but this whole like d1 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 thing like I if, if a student athlete wants to play collegiate athletics I, I truly deep down believe like there's there's a spot for them somewhere like there absolutely is and if that is their their goal and what they want to do and that the school's a good fit then go after it and do it um, but like this, this focus on, you know, division one and, and, and all that is, uh, you know, a little bit maddening to me sometimes because I, I really feel like we're, we're losing focus as to what, what our role is in education based high school athletics. And, you know, we're, we're, we just, kids are taking their eye off the ball a little bit. Some of that's probably come from home. And of course, you know, what they hear around them in the media and social media and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, really educating the kids about, about that process. And we have a fantastic, and I would recommend anybody listening to this. If you have somebody on campus that is really kind of in tune with the, with the NCAA, and of course, all the changes that are, that are happening at the collegiate level, um, kind of to serve as your, you know, recruiting coordinator uh, for college, somebody, somewhere you, that, staying up to date on all the new, you know, policies and procedures and, you know, the, the dead periods and when you can be talking to who and, you know, what you should be doing your freshman year, your sophomore year and your junior year and your senior year. We do a presentation for parents every year on that, um, which is really important. And we got to post it up on our website if they're not able to make it in person. And I think that's really important because I think for a lot of kids, it is kind of an unknown and, you know, they see stuff on, on TV and social media and they, they want that to be them, but they don't, they just don't understand truly what what that process is so another way that i've learned we've got to educate our people on on what that process looks like so they can be successful and they can go on and do the things they want to do and for for us in arkansas the university of arkansas is great but it's not great for everyone and so being a co former college guy that was in admissions and recruiting you want to find the right people for your school and then there's a to, to your point there's a place for everybody if they want to pursue that so uh Here's what I know. That signing may have been fake but, or not true, whatever you want to call it. But what is true is if you want to follow Colin on social media, uh, Green Level, he, he takes it to the next level with his social media stuff. And I will recommend you following him and what he does to promote his school, promote his district, promote his kids. 
on social media. So you need to follow Colin. And, and Colin, can you give the people listening your Twitter handle or your school's Twitter handle where they can look at it and follow what you're doing? Uh, well, I appreciate that. And just like all of us, you know, I'm, I'm looking around at what other folks are doing at the high school and college level and, and trying to emulate some some best practices. But uh, yeah, Green Level, we're uh, at G underscore L underscore athletics at G underscore L underscore athletics. And that's on Twitter and Insta. So uh, we certainly appreciate any follows and uh, always looking for the next best idea out there for sure. Uh, I, I'm a follower. I, I, I keep up with what you do. Um, and again, this goes back to when I took a class with you and Darren Coe teaching the class. I sat through the class and uh, was just impressed with what you do and how you do things. So um, it's worth your follow. If you're listening um, on Spotify, get on Twitter. Colin, uh, the, um, however you're watching or listening to this platform. Uh, you'll be better off because of what they do. It, it's a challenge for me every day to look at that and find out what they're doing. Um, and and then you'll, you'll appreciate this because if I'm not mistaken, are you not the alligators or do you have a gator as your mascot? The gators. That's right. Yeah. And there we got some therapy going for Danielle with some gator encounters <laughs> that she's had, but uh, <laughs> being in Florida, but. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, it is worth your follow to get on there and, and it's worth your time to follow Colin and, and Green Level and what they do because it is phenomenal. Um, it's like a college social media platform, what they do. It's really impressive. And, and I can't say that um, loud enough because I think they do a really good job with what they do in social media and, and pro promoting their kids in their school. Well, that means a lot, Dustin, for coming for you, man. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. I also want to say thank you for jumping on here, Colin. I know we've, we've discussed this for a while. I appreciate it, man. I had a blast, and I know homecoming's coming uh, for me, but I know it's really approaching for you. Um, and I look forward to hearing a story from you about what happened um, in a week for you and just how that new situation happens and how that unveils and the stories that will come from that. So I look forward to connecting with you, um, and we'll continue to connect via this platform but also social media. But then in Nashville, I want to be able to sit and have a conversation with you and say, hey, tell me what took place that first one and things that you would do differently now because you've experienced it. Uh, I look forward to that very much. I will certainly have some stories that comes out of it, I'm no, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see uh, both y'all in Nashville. It's coming up here. Before we know it, we'll be, we'll be out there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's coming up quickly. It is. Absolutely. It is. Well, thank you very much for your – your time today, Colin. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate Tickets Picket, who does sponsor all of our episodes and makes this possible. Um, so thank you to you and thank you, Dustin, for your high rise, uh, I guess, recording in your press box. Right. Yeah, I'm here with all my friends in the press box, but <laughs> the, the chaos is about to take place outside for, for the pep rally and all that stuff. But man, Colin, I appreciate you taking the time. Danielle, thank you for reminding me to get on here my apologies for my delay but um, i appreciate your patience and your grace as we found out colin has some of that now uh, maybe not so much when he was coaching, but thanks for your grace in that situation thank, thank you, you guys so much have a great day yeah thank you you too brother